Glad that you were able to make a friend this morning. Welcome again to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here. And uh, wow, I told you I was going to give you an update um, to remind you last night, uh, New Antioch Community Church began in the city. And so it was really, it was a lot of fun, really exciting. Last night we met for the first time uh, up in the, the Arcadia area of the city and had about 150 adults that joined us for a, a night of worshiping Jesus, getting into his word and uh, seeing community established. So it was really fun. Uh, and so thank you guys so much for praying. If you're here last week, we sent, we sent out uh, many of our Pillars team. And I'm just so proud of those guys. We've got a great team that has uh, uh, come around what, what God's been speaking and seeing this church established and being leaders, serving. And so it was, a, it was a re- a really a lot of fun. And you guys would be so proud of that team uh, as we get to partner with Jesus to see his church built, and uh, man, what a what a privilege that is, and uh, and so keep praying for that church as uh, as uh, you know still working out some of the kinks and uh, uh, getting uh, to a place where uh, where where things are running smoothly and all those types of things in the in the nitty gritty. But just so excited about what God's doing in people's hearts and how excited people are about what's going on there. And uh, with that, uh, one of the things that I love about uh, planting churches or, or seeing life groups multiplied is that it gives more opportunity for people to step into their giftings or we get to see people step up and be who they were created to be or have opportunities to, to serve in ways that they hadn't had opportunities before. And we're certainly seeing that in the, in the life of this new church uh, of those that have really stepped up into greater places of service and leadership. And, and yet it's not only with the, the church plant or the new thing that's begun, but it also pr- uh, provides space here for more people to step into what God's called them to do, to do and to be in terms of leadership and service. Because um, with this new church plant, probably uh, a hundred uh, or so of them are coming from here that live more in that area or involved more in that area. And so, they, uh, so they're, they're leaving places of service and places of leadership here in this church that we're now needing somebody to step into. And so it also provides opportunities here for us to be the church, to be uh, a people that not only receive from the family of God, but give to the family of God in the ways that God's created us to serve and to give. And so uh, I want to call your attention to, uh, to a place on our website, AntiochPHX.com slash serve, uh, where you will find different opportunities of need. And so if you're a part of this church family and aren't in a, have a, a specific place of serving, uh, we would love for you to, to find a place to serve, whether it's in our kids ministry, our, our tech department, our youth ministry. There's many opportunities to serve and to, to be a part of building up the body of Christ that we would love to invite you you into and invite you to pray through, uh, and you can you can find out more information on how to do that, as well as sign up for serving. And when you sign up, that doesn't mean it Im- immediately, okay, I check these three boxes of interest that you're, you're automatically signed up. We're going to have somebody that will follow up with you and talk through with you. Hey, what's, what's some of your passions, gifts? Where, where would you like to serve? And, uh, and get you plugged in, in in the right spot in that way. So, um, so we're excited about what God is doing, uh, both as we have the opportunity to plant a church as well as what he is doing here. And one of the things that we've really been trying to do, and, and if, you've, if you've been around, you may have noticed this, but really beginning in the spring, 
One of the mandates that we feel like God has given us is to, to have the testimony of God's people be more prevalent, sharing the story of God uh, in, in our lives, in, in your lives. And so over the last several months, we've been, having, we've been uh, attempting to regularly have people share what it is that God is doing in their lives. Because one of the things that we believe is that it, uh, when a testimony is shared, that the very purpose of that testimony is to release faith into the room, uh, that it releases faith and like, oh, that's what God's doing in your life. Like, I, I believe that as well. And so our testimony this morning, Sam, if you want to come on up here, there he is over here, give him a hand, <laughs> is a testimony that's, that's just that, of one that's being stirred by the faith of another and getting to step out and to see God move in a powerful way. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited to share this this morning and still a little nervous. Um, so, yeah, I want to give credit where credit's due and honor where honor is due. I don't know if I saw him in the first service, but Michael Benjamin came up here a handful of weeks ago uh, to share testimony of healing that he saw on the job sites, the construction job sites that he works at. And so he got to pray for two people, different people, and they were miraculously healed, and they gave glory to God uh, and... That was very convicting to me that I could see something like that happen here in America. We hear about that happening overseas somewhat regularly, but we rarely hear it happen in America. So um, I, I was convicted by that, and I spent time repenting that same Sunday at church because I had been praying for people for a long time, like 100 plus, you know, 200 people, whatever, and I've never seen healing that I'm aware of. That's how, what I thought. And so um, I, yeah, I just repented. So then that same Sunday, we were at the rock climbing gym, and for some quick context, my wife and I helped lead a Bible study for rock climbers at the specific rock climbing gym near ASU campus. And so that's our ministry, that's our community, um, and it's, it's awesome, uh, and we really love it. And there's this girl who's been coming to our, our dinners that we host once every five weeks that are kind of outreach opportunities to meet people at the gym. Um, and on that Sunday, she showed up a few days later from the dinner, and she had this splint on her finger that looked like she had broken it. And so I said, Rachel, what happened to your finger? You know, I just saw you a few days ago. And she's like, well, I, I was climbing really hard and I tore the pulley um, in my finger, which as I understand uh, is the thing that holds your tendon to your finger. Um, and so when it separates or tears through, you no longer can close your, your hand. So she was like, it hurts really bad and I can barely do this. So I told her that... Um, I believe that Jesus can heal her. Jesus has healed me physically and emotionally. And so I'd love to pray for you. And she said, sure. And so my wife and I were praying for her. Um, and it, and I just, you know, just your normal type of prayer. And it started like any normal prayer. But as I'm praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit just all of a sudden gave me power. And there's no other better way to describe it than that. Um, I was, I'd never felt it before. But as I was praying, I was positive that not only she was going to be healed, but that she was actively being healed as I was praying for her. And like I said, never felt that before, but I was like overwhelmed by it. So at the end of it, I was confident and I asked her, um, can you touch your finger together and see if it feels any different? And she said, like, yeah, it still hurts. But, and as she's saying it still hurts and touching her finger, she realizes that it doesn't hurt. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's like, there's nothing there. And so in front of my wife and I, she, she takes the splint off and is now like clenching her full fist, but she could barely do this. So she's doing this. And we're like, I'm, I'm as stunned as she is. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, I think I'm healed or something like that. And I'm like, no way. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, act cool. But 
you know, so then, so then I'm like, do you still have any pain? And she goes, yes, I still have full, I have a little bit of pain um, when I clench my fist completely. And so we prayed for her a second time that Jesus would completely heal her. And at the end of the rock climbing series uh, that day, we went up to talk to her. She was still feeling no pain. Then a few days later, we checked in and she had just climbed the hardest route that she had ever climbed up to that point, which if you know anything about rock climbing, uh, she climbed a V6, which is my best route on my best day. And even then, rarely do I get something like that. And so she just climbed that between Sunday and Tuesday. Um, so immediately healed, continued to be healed. But I do want to share that you would continue to pray for Rachel because even though this miraculous thing happened and she gave glory to God in the moment, um, she cussed and then apologized to God looking at the sky. <laughs> she still doesn't believe, she's atheist, and she doesn't believe that God was the one that healed her, even though in the moment she believed it was God and she continues to be healed. So it's a spiritual thing. And I just pray that she would, she would see the truth um, that something like that could only happen when we called on the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you, Sam. Good stuff, buddy. Oh, we do it, Adam. Yeah. Amen. I, I love it. I it just, uh, as we, uh, I hope that you are, again, that, that there's faith stirred, that God moves that God is even, even more so than we have a passion to reach people or that we would feel compassion towards another uh, that he does. And anything that we feel is only coming from him wanting to express himself and reach people. And so I uh, hope you're again stirred by how God w may want to use you in the lives of those around you as we just say, God, what are, what are you doing? And how can I... How can I be involved in it? So um, one of the things we've been talking about here uh, over the last few weeks is, is, that, is that same idea of like, how, how can I be intentional? And I, and I love the way that Sam and his wife, Mac, lived their lives. I mean, there's so many testimonies that they could share. He, he wasn't, if you thought you heard him wrong, and I prayed over 100, 200 people, he's, he's, not, he's not kidding. Like they, they are consistently just praying for people and starting, I mean, they, they love rock climbing. So like, well, we'll just start a Bible study in the rock climbing gym. like so they're they love it uh and they uh but they are intentional about how what's God doing and how can we be involved in it and the series that we've been in called The Way of Disciple Making has been a, an emphasis over these last few weeks because while we've always been a people who have been very intentional about the way we think about uh, discipleship and, and being about the, the great commission where Jesus says, go and make disciples, we feel like God in this season has called us back to a place of doubling down on uh, are we being effective as a church in making disciples. And so we're just asking that question. We're wanting to be honest before the Lord as uh, in recognition of his call on our lives. And so for the, for the last two weeks, we've talked about uh, kind of the idea of our, our, what does it look like for us to be a disciple in a couple of simple ways. And the first one just being like, are we a people that enjoy and follow Jesus? Just enjoy him. Are we a people that enjoy walking with Jesus and uh, being with him? And, and then last week we talked about are we a people who live out a life of joyful obedience and, and really kind of turning the narrative on what sometimes we think about o obeying being kind of this like res restrictive uh, kind of 
thing that, that we, we don't want to do, but rather the biblical understanding is that there is a, a type of obedience in God that's a, a, jo- it's a joy. And, and so if you, if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to, to listen to those because that, those were about, okay, that, that's, this is what it looks like to, to be a disciple. And today I want to hone in a little more on how can we take this step into not only being a disciple, but being a disciple that makes disciples, okay? And so we're going to, once again, we're going to, to use Matthew 28, if you want to turn in your Bibles there with me. Um, we've read it the last couple of weeks because it is the, the commission that Jesus gave his followers And today we're going to spend a little more time on it, as I've been alluding to the last couple of weeks. Um, And and here's what I want us to walk out of here with today. I want us to walk out of here with a belief that, that, that I want you to walk out with a belief that you can make disciples. I, I can do that. Now, you may not have all of the answers, all of the tools, all of the... In fact, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But the belief that I can, I can make a disciple... And secondly, with a conviction that in- intentional disciple-making is actually what you've been called to. So not only the belief that you can, that you have the ability, but it is, it is actually the calling uh, of, of your life. And so um, let's read together Matthew 28, and I'm hoping that God, and believing that that's the, the very things that God's wanting to do uh, in us as we, as we leave here today. So Matthew 28, we're just going to read through the passage and spend a little time there going through it. Beginning in verse 17, it says this, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the, the setting here is the, the 11 remaining disciples are coming to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is about to, be, about to be glorified. He's about to go into heaven to, to, sit, to sit at the right hand of the Father. And so this is some of the, the last words that Jesus would, would share with and communicate to, to his disciples. And it's, as I said earlier, often referred to as the Great Commission. It is, it is the, the place where Jesus, uh, at the end of his life, says, hey, this, as my followers, is what you're to be about. And so we have these 11 now that are gathering um, up to, to Jesus. And it says, as they saw him, they came up to him, they saw him, and they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I want us to think about that for a little bit. And, and in it, to, in one regard, lower the bar maybe that's in our minds of what it takes to be ones who are called to make disciples. Week one, if you'll remember, we tried to delineate the, the, the term discipleship from what we're talking about in the way of disciple making because the, the term discipleship has picked up a lot of things over the years. Um, because, you know, there's churches that have entire discipleship programs or uh, you, you have discipleship through the reading of this book or uh, maybe you think of discipleship and somebody uh, that's, that's uh, you know, 20, 30 years down the road from you is mentoring you and sharing from their experiences and their wisdom and their knowledge or, or maybe discipleship is, you know, there's some, some marriage counseling that's happening and this and that. And, and so we think about, well, I could never... <laughs> 
disciple anybody or not for another 25 years or something like then maybe I'll have my act together but but actually uh, we, we've lumped in a lot of their in discipleship uh, like mentoring like having accountability like having a, a marriage you know, mentor in your life that helps you walk in all things that are very good and all the things that we need through the process of life but also putting all those things together, calling it discipleship, uh, and then saying like, well, I'm called to it, but I, I can't do all that. And so what we're doing is getting more clear on what does it actually mean when Jesus said, go and make disciples, and, and believing that I can do that. I can actually do that. I can be a part of that. And so the first thing I want to call out is that here you have 11 guys who have spent the last three years walking closely with Jesus, seeing him do miracles, signs, and wonders, uh, raise the dead, you know, and, and here they are. Now he himself has been raised from the dead, and and and... What are they doing? They're worshiping and yet doubting. They're, they're still in that place. And there's something to be said about the human condition there. You know, and, so, and so I would warn you from always like, well, God, if you would just show me, give me a sign. Or if you would just bring this place a breakthrough. Or if you would just convince me in this way. Or if you would just, then I will. And I just don't know if that's actually true. I, I don't know if the then I will actually will ever happen because here they are having seen anything and everything you could ever ask for, for God to prove him to be who he is. And yet they're still in this place of like, yes, worshiping and also doubting. It's something about the, the human condition. And so what I would say to that for you is that allow yourself to be in process and find God in the midst of it. Not like one day I will do this when I become this or when God shows me this, but like, okay, I, I'm in process and God still wants to use me. Uh, because what we see in scripture is that, um, and, and certainly in the life of, of Jesus and his disciples, is that he, he, uh, he's, he's often calling flawed people, simple fishermen, shepherds, you know, along the way that, that don't have necessarily all this training and this or that. And, and yet, who else does he have to call besides the ones that are flawed? Right? Sometimes we think about it like, why would he call? He should call somebody else who's not as flawed. That person doesn't exist. That there, there is no, we're like, oh, that's the pattern of scripture. God's always doing that. And, and I feel like God sometimes is like, well, who else? I've got no other choices. Like you, you are all flawed. Like, and so if, if I'm waiting for somebody to show up with the, uh, the perfect ability and they've never strayed or shown any signs of rebellion or uh, had a, a moment of doubt, then, then I'm waiting forever and nothing's ever gonna happen. And so uh, you're it. Like, th 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 we're, we're, this is who he's got. And, and so here we are, God. And, and we present ourselves in this place of, of we're flawed, and we're, and we're, when we, but we worship you. And yet we struggle sometimes with, with doubt. Maybe it's doubt in like who he is. Maybe it's doubt in what we're capable of. Or could you really use me? Or God, is this really the plan? Like, it, it, us? Like, you should have come up with a better plan. You know, like, and so we doubt, we have doubt there. And yet... We look to him, and I, and I think this is, this is a key, and, and this is what happens next. So, so Jesus is aware of this. He's aware that yet they worship me, but there's some doubt, like what's actually happening? And is it really the best plan that you're going to go away and leave us here? Like, it doesn't seem like the best plan. And, and then the very next thing that we see is this. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And I want us to try to feel that moment a little bit where, where there's this moment where we're coming in, like we, we worship you, but we've got concerns, we've got some doubts, we've got some fears. And then Jesus is standing in front of us, looking us in the eye and saying, let me, let me tell you this. In light of all the, the doubts and fears you might have, all authority in, in, in the heavens, all authority on the earth, you know, these authorities, the Roman authorities, the, the, the Jewish synagogue authorities that are coming down hard on you, that have just crucified me, that, uh, that, are, that are condemning you and coming after you, all, their authority is nothing. It, all authority is mine. And so you need to look to me. You need, you need to look to me. And I, and I want to read a passage of scripture over us today that, that I hope will help uh, to, to understand what perhaps the disciples would have uh, experienced in that moment of Jesus looking at them look, uh, and them becoming aware once again of Jesus here risen from the dead, dis- declaring to them that all authority is his. Another way in scripture that it's put is, is this in Colossians 1, beginning in verse 15, it says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. An incredible description of the supremacy of Jesus, of just who he is, that he rules, that he reigns, that all things were created by him and for him and through him, that he holds all things together. And that as we look at him, we recognize what he has done in us, making us ones who are reconciled to him. Those of us who were were hostile towards God, who were disobedient, that he's now, through his his blood shed on the cross, uh, has now presented us before God blameless, righteous, right standing before God. So no matter how flawed that we are, might be that because of who he is that we we are presented before God without flaw worthy and it's because of that maybe even in response to that that we're like yes God Jesus we want to be about what you're about and so if it's your plan to make just to, to change the world uh, through making uh, through us making disciples or we we're in what does that look like? How do we, how do we go about that? Uh, we want to we be in, and it begins with just being a people who look at Jesus and show others what it looks like to look 
at Jesus, to connect them with him. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This passage is coming just out on the heels of Hebrews 11, which is a, a, um, a litany of, of stories of the, the men and women of God who, who exhibited faith in their lives and saw God do incredible things and believed for God to do incredible things. And so this passage of scripture is saying, hey, you've got this great cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before you that are now handing the baton, so to speak, off to you. And now it's your turn to run the race. So throw off the sin that entangles, uh, the things that would trip you up and run the race. And how do we run the race? What is, what is the key element in, in running the race so that we might finish the race? It, it's this, fixing your eyes on Jesus. If we are not a, a people who has learned to fix our eyes on Jesus, and then in turn, as, it, as, as we make disciples, to teach others to fix their eyes on Jesus, to be a people who are joyfully obedient to Jesus, that we are able to see him and know where he's going, then, then we're, we're overcomplicating things, that we're, we're, uh, we're, we're adding too many elements uh, that, that can come later, but the simplicity of, of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, it doesn't require your mentorship or uh, some uh, counseling or this and that, it's just the, the beginning part is, can I keep my eyes fixed on him, the author and perfecter of my faith? Can I, can I be a person who considers him who endured such opposition from sinful men, but joyfully embraced the cross and just a, a, a people with the eyes fixed on Jesus? Let me, let me say it in this way. Imagine yourself at a wedding. You know, it's a beautiful wedding. Everybody is, is now uh, has gathered and they're, they're seated. The, the, the groom has, has made his way to, to the front um, and is, is waiting for, for the bride. Uh, you are a, a groomsman or a bridesmaid standing there excited for what's about to happen. There's anticipation in the room and uh, then the doors open up and uh, the, the bride uh, appears and uh, everyone stands in the room anticipating what's about to happen. This is like the best moment. It, you know, the groom's tearing up, the bride is beaming, you know, all this. And then you step into the aisle and, you're, and, and because you're so excited and you're, you're like... Uh, Oh, this, this is, can I just tell you a little bit about him? Like I'm standing there, like, can I tell you a little bit about my friend? Like, this, let, let me just say, this is the best decision you've ever made. He is going to be an incredible husband. Like you, it, he is, he is, he's been one of my most faithful, loyal friends. And, and you, you are making the right choice today. So let me just tell you a little more, you know, like that would be bad. That would, <laughs> 
I, you know, awkward is an understatement. That would be in every way the wrong place for you to be at the wrong time. And, and so, um, so you are to be the, the groomsman or the bridesmaid that's saying, I, I, I bless this and, and I honor this and I'm for this and I'm, I'm here to protect this and, and say yes and amen to this, but not to get in the way of this. And yet sometimes in our ministry or in our, our, our view of discipleship, we, we hop out in the aisle where, where there's somebody we're trying to introduce to Jesus and, and they're like, you know, I wanna, I wanna, I'm trying to fix my gaze on him. And we're like, let me tell you about him. Or let my, and sometimes that can be a, a flaw, if I'm honest, of the, of the Western church, where we, we try to get these great communicators on a, on a Sunday or on podcasts, or whatever, and like, let us teach you about it. Or it can be a downfall of some of our, um, uh, the, the way that we uh, get into these, these, Long, elongated theological discussions and conversations. And it's like, man, I feel like I have to have a seminary to, degree to understand all this or to actually disciple somebody in how to figure out all of these, uh, th- these issues and these things that are happening in the church. And, uh, and, and so the, it starts with this wedding analogy where we're just trying to get people to lock eyes with Jesus and trusting that when they do that, it's going to be better than any kind of encouragement that I can give them about him. And and so what is the simplicity of how, how can I get out of the way and let people see Jesus, to see the groom, to lock eyes with him? Because when they do, first of all, they don't need me I, I'm not a, a, another piece in the cog of like, okay, well, when, when I have a problem, I've got to get Travis or I've got to get this person in my life, but actually I can go right to Jesus uh, because I've learned, to, uh, I've learned to talk with him. I've learned to listen to him. I've, I know who he is. There's, there's, there's a close relationship there. And that's this picture of the wedding that I want to relate to disciple making where we're not trying to teach them everything we know in the beginning. Like, I've got to know all these things and all the, but like, we're just trying to introduce them to Jesus um, in, a, in a personal way where we're listening to him, we're talking to him, and, uh, and we're getting out of the way. Now, let me further explain that by talking about uh, the marriage. We know that after the wedding, there's a marriage. And, and so all of the things that, that I've been mentioning, um, mentoring, uh, getting some, some marriage counselors or a couple to walk with you that's done that before, to, uh, to have theological training and discussion you know, where you're learning more about the, the, those places. And God. All those are great things. So don't hear me saying like, Throwing all that out, like not, not at all. Like we, we need that, uh, and and, um, and that comes that comes out of the the the, the um, out of the wedding, out of the marriage, where there's okay, we have people walking with us, but but how do we connect people to Jesus first? So that we're not reliant on all of those things as our primary go-to, but we've actually learned to be a people who follow and enjoy Jesus through through joyful obedience. What, what does that look like? And, and I believe that when we start operating in that, that we are, we're going to experience an, another level of, of life in our community and another level of effectiveness uh, in reaching the world around us. Because, and 
I want you to walk out of here today believing I can do that, not because of the the skills that I have or the experiences that that I've had, but because there's a a simple call to to be a person that enjoys and follows Jesus and to, to lead others to doing the same. Now, I said this the very first week of this series, and I'll say it again. That's not going to happen on a Sunday morning. That is, there's not like, okay, you get all this training now. The, the, today, the, uh, you, you'll notice that one of the goals was not that you would walk out of here, here feeling fully prepared and equipped to, to go make disciples. That, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's, a place of, that's a place of training. That's a place of experiencing that actually is something we're rolling out in our, in our life groups. And so I know we've been really promoting those the last couple of weeks and, uh, and do that regularly. But... We, we really feel that the place of gaining traction in equipping and empowering the saints, the body of Christ, to go uh, and fulfill the calling of making disciples is going to be through, through life groups and through uh, different uh, disciple-making groups that we're, that we're starting. And that will, that will have a little bit of a slow rollout because we're not expecting anybody to do something that they haven't experienced. And so uh, we're going to be rolling out these kind of eight-week disciple-making uh, groups that uh, where we're investing in a few and those few going investing in some others in this this simple, reproducible, disciple-making process where um, we are getting into the Word of God with one another, and we're encouraging people to connect with Jesus. Uh, and we're, we're, some of the language we're using is just through communicating, because we know that uh, personal relationship requires communication. So just teaching people how to listen to God. What's God saying to you? As we open up His Word, what's He saying to you? And then teaching people how to, how to talk to God. And then how to listen to God on behalf of others. So kind of taking it outside of just the me in here, but God, what are you doing in the world around me and how do you want me to be involved? And then also uh, talking about or learning about talking to others about God. What does that look like and how can we equip other people to, to do that? And so just some of those simple places of I'm connecting with Jesus, he's leading me by his spirit and, and I'm, a, I'm being obedient to him. And so just getting into a rhythm and a practice of that where, where there's a, some accountability, some authenticity built into that and uh, that we're really excited about. And, and so, uh, so you, you won't necessarily walk away from here this morning saying, I've got all the tools that I need, but hopefully you'll go uh, walk away here, from here this morning saying, that's something I can do, and I believe I can do it because I'm called to do it, and, and God will give me everything I need to do the things that he calls me to do. And so I, I want to, again, just give uh, a, a great encouragement for you to be a part of a life group. And I know life can be busy and full and schedules are erratic and, and, and uh, it may be hard to find that time. But I would go so far as to say that it, I, if you only have one slot in your week to kind of give to the, the church or church activity, I would say be in a life group. And, and do whatever you need to do else on a Sunday morning. Like be, be in a life group because I, I really believe that that's where there's going to be even greater traction. Sunday mornings are a wonderful expression of the corporate body gathering to worship and give praise to God. I love the community in this room, but the community in this room is coming from often the life groups that are joining together and but getting to see other people that maybe were once in your life group, but your life group multiplied because of the life of God in it. And so you hadn't got to see, you know, there, there's something really beautiful 
about this Sunday morning expression, but in, in those life groups, there's going to be opportunities to be known and to know others, for, uh, for people to get in your world, uh, for there to be a wrestle with the word of God. It's the place where we're not only hearing the word, but we're, we're activating it in our lives. And so it's also the place where we're really trying to roll out some of the practical, reproducible steps of how can we actually make disciples? Can you, can you help me know how to do that? What does that look like? And, and that's the place for us to, to roll those things out. And so we're excited about doing it because the, the conviction lies around the fact that we're all called to do it. There's a lot of different callings in this room, a lot of unique callings based on the way God's made you and gifted you and wired you, but we all share the call to make disciples. And so it's something that we want to empower you to do. And um, it's, it's, the, it's the commission that we receive. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, there, therefore. So if, if all authority is mine, okay, it's all mine, then this, this is what I'm calling you to do. Therefore, go and make disciples. So what does it look like to, to fulfill that calling? What does it look like to make disciples? the discipling of men and women, the, the priority around which you orient your life. It's a pretty strong way to think about it, but how can I so consider the call of Jesus to make disciples that I would orient my life around that as, as my priority? That I would think about the things that I already do and am involved in, and how can I make disciples in my workplace? How can I make disciples among classmates? It's not just something for the church. In fact, there is a, a book written years ago by a professor that I had in seminary named Robert Coleman uh, that, was, is, that is called Master Plan of Evangelism. It was one of the, one of the kind of original old school books on making disciples. Just funny because it's not the master plan of discipleship, it's the master plan of evangelism because it was the master's plan to evangelize the world is to invest in, in a few, to, to, to get them to connect with Jesus and then show the next generation. And uh, one of the premises in his book is just the challenge to an, invest in, in three. And there's a good friend of ours named that Mark that tells this story of his own journey. And he was a freshman in college and came in with a lot of zeal, a lot of like desire and passion to change his campus for Jesus, you know. Um, and as he began to, to do that or attempt to do that, he quickly recognized that nobody really listened, nobody wants to listen. I, he was like, I was an, a gangly, awkward freshman that didn't have a lot of charisma. Nobody was like wanting to do all the things that I was wanting to do. And then he got his hands on this book called Master Plan of Evangelism and talking about how to make disciples and investing in a few. And so he, he went after that, like, okay, I, I can surely do that. And so maybe it took some time and maybe some of the guys were a little reluctant, but he found three that committed to like meeting with him so that he could lead, lead them to Jesus, to show them Jesus and how to, to, to be a an obedient people to Jesus. And, um, and years later, um, there was a, a, college, a college service at the, at the Antioch uh, in, in Waco, Texas. And the college pastor at that time was one of those three guys that Mark had invested in, you know, 10, 10 12 years earlier. And um, he was talking about making disciples, and he gave this illustration. He told, he told Mark's story, 
And, um, and he said, I was one of those guys. And he then did this thing where he said, I, I want anybody that was, um, that was discipled by, by Mark to stand up. And so he was standing. There was a, a few others in the room that, that over the years Mark had invested in. And he said, okay, now I want you to look around the room, particularly to the, to the men in the room, a room of about 700 people. And uh, he said, I want you to look around. And if you see somebody standing that has uh, discipled you, that has invested intentionally in you and helping you to connect with Jesus and be somebody who's obedient, I want you to stand. And another handful of people stood. And he did this two or three more times until almost every male in the room was standing, about 300 guys in the room standing. And it was just an incredible picture of the power of, of the master plan to go and make disciples. When we said, wouldn't there be a better plan than me just going and like, how is that? But if we're able to, to do that in a way that's reproducible and say, hey, I want to invest in you, but here's how you can go and invest in others. And that, that begins to, to, to spread really quickly. And some of you are a lot better at me in, at, the, at math but you start doing those exponential numbers where I, I'm the first generation and I invest in three. And so now there's four of us. But then those three invest in three others. And, and now there's like 13 of us. And then the next one goes and the fourth generation. And, it, and by the time you get to the, the 20th generation, you're up to the three or four billion number range. Like it, it, if we would be faithful to what we've been called to, there's power there. There's real power in, in what God's called us to do. And, and so today, I want us to just end in this time of response with just a fresh place of commitment. And kind of just saying, God, what would that look like for me? Just beginning to explore that. Again, you're not going to be walking out of here, I, I, I understand this, fully equipped. You're like, okay, I know exactly what I should do, how I should do it. But how do I start thinking with greater intentionality? What, what would it look like for me to make disciples in the different places that, that, uh, that God was, was, has given me? Um, a, a woman came up to me after the first service, and since we started this series, she's like, I, I initiated with, with, a, with a neighbor who has a, is, has a Catholic background but doesn't really walk with the Lord. And, and I said, would you want to read the Bible with me once a week? And she said, yes. And so we're just going to start, we're going to start reading the Bible. To get, like, I'm going to start just, I want to show her Jesus, you know. And, and we've got some other tools, again, that we're going to be rolling out that will help empower you to do that. If you're like, I don't even know where to begin, you can begin by going to life group. Like, that, that's a great start. But, but here today, just saying, God, what does that look like? And to say, it, God, even to say, to own that calling. And if you need to search it out for yourself in God's word, Lord, is this my calling? What does that look like? And how can I be effective in it? Just to start entertaining that and wrestling through that. And so um, I wanna pray that over us today, that we would begin that journey of being a people committed to the, the commission of Jesus to make disciples of Jesus. So Lord, we're, we're so thankful that you have called us to yourself. We're so thankful uh, that we have a God that we, that we are invited to connect with, that, 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 that um, initiates with us, that we can know personally. And, and Lord, we're asking today that we would be uh, just 
consumed with a zeal for connecting others to, to, to you. Just with a, a fresh faith in our hearts that when people see you, they'll be changed. There, there will be health and life. And then as a community, we can come around one another in places of accountability and, and mentorship and counseling and, and leadership development. And all these things can happen within the body of Christ. But Lord, would we be about the making of disciples, connecting people to you, Jesus, that they too would become those who, who look to you, who follow you, and who joyfully obey you in everything that they do. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. And um, as always, we're going to just conclude our time together with a moment of response. Ministry team, you guys can come on up here to the front. These guys are available to you for prayer. There's anything that you've come into the room today that's a burden or that's been a struggle, a trial, um, or even just like uh, you're needing a place of encouragement, whatever it might be, we, we love taking the opportunity as the body to pray for one another because we believe that God answers prayer and that he's brought us together to bear one another's burdens and that's being the church. And so please don't hesitate if there's anything big or small that you need prayer for to come forward and receive prayer. Also, the front's open. If you just need to come and get on your knees before God, even offering yourself freshly again, saying, God, I wanna, I wanna be a part of, of your, your purposes on the earth. And if there's a calling in my life to make disciples, I wanna be about that. And you're just offering yourself to him. We love to just come and offer ourselves to him in any way that that might look. And for others in the room, there may be a place today where you're like, I don't know if I know Jesus in a personal way. I don't know that I've experienced the life that you're talking about. I don't know if I've ever locked eyes with him to know him in that way. And if that's you, there's something stirring in you to know what that looks like to connect with Jesus, we'd love to talk with you today because he's inviting you to himself today. So let's not leave this place today without responding to God in whatever way he would lead and initiate with you.